is the Healthy Free Life Show, where you're going to learn a new way to eat and live healthy for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Katrina. And I'm Chris, and we're on a mission to help you get healthy, ditch disease, lose weight, and find food freedom so you can fulfill your God-given purpose. So if you're ready to get healthy and free so that you can live that abundant life that you've been promised, then let's do the thing. All right, so we've got a question for you. Do you've got some stress in your life? Yeah, us too. You're about to learn the most powerful thing that you can do to reduce stress and its impact on your body. Today, Chris and I are going to be talking about one of the most critical healthy free life habits, and that is habit number two, the rest habit. It is incredibly important because most people, when it comes to trying to get healthy or lose weight, what do they do? They focus on diet or maybe diet and exercise, but it's so incomplete. As we talked about in episode one and episode number 38 of our podcast, it's not just about diet and exercise. We must take a full body, mind, spirit approach to health so that we can actually achieve the results that we're after, like ditching disease and losing weight, conquering cravings, and just getting healthy so that we can live abundantly. We must incorporate all of the seven habits into our daily life in order to achieve and maintain a healthy, free life. So let's dive into why the rest habit is so important. One word. You ready? What is it? Stress. Mm. Yes. Because no matter how perfect you are in the other areas of your health, stress will kill your results every time. Stress is absolutely one of the biggest health disruptors and also one of the most prominent toxins that we have in our life. So we've got to address it. And first, what we need to do is we really need to define when we say stress, what exactly are we talking about? So let's first define it. What is stress? Well, if you look up the term stress, like actually in the dictionary, um, it's the body's response to physical, mental, or emotional pressure. But in our context, we like to look at how stress affects our metabolism. And what we like to say is we call the metabolism is just really a stress barometer, meaning it's gauging the pressure and the stress on your system. And it's making choices based off of that stress because it's trying to keep you in balance. It's trying to, our metabolism's job is to really keep us alive. And even a female's uh, metabolism is really, its job is to really help you reproduce. So if it feels like it's being pushed out of balance with excessive stress, it's going to push against you and it's going to try to get you back into balance. So if we have physical stressors, mental stressors, and emotional stressors, mm -hmm. let, let's talk about what some of those are. Because a lot of times I think that we misunderstand when we say stress, what that is. You know, maybe you think it's relational or maybe you have emotional stress, which yes, that can contribute to it. Right. But a lot of people don't really understand the physical stress that we put our bodies under. Yeah. And what's interesting is, you know, we, we do always think that if we're, we have to be, in order for us to be under stress, we have to feel it and we have to be feeling that anxiety and feeling that stress, but really that's only a small portion of what stress actually is to the metabolism. Cause a lot of these things you can't even really feel, but yeah. it's underneath the surface that's happening and you're not understanding it because our metabolism tries to speak to us and we don't know how to, uh, we don't know how to interpret it. We don't speak metabolism. So the metabolism doesn't speak English. It speaks metabolism. So we've got to start learning how to right. 
understand it. We need yeah. to learn a new language. So let's talk about some physical stressors mm-hmm. that we can put our body under sometimes without even knowing we're physically stressing right. our body. So one big one that we see is too much or too little food, mm-hmm. right? So oftentimes this is going to be um, somebody who diets. Right. So dieting is a... Yeah big stressor to the body. Yeah, and nobody ever tells you that. That's not something that's ever been explained. It's not, you know, you don't put the pieces together that a excessive extreme diet or even just an extreme change in how you're eating and how you're exercising and how you're moving is registered as a stress to the system. Because again, it's your body is thinking that it needs to stay in balance. And this is all of a sudden something that's pushing it out of balance. And it's like, well, I don't like this. And I'm going to try to fight to put it back to a balanced state where it was before. Right. So you have the dieting side, but then you also have the, if I'm eating too many calories, that's also going to stress the body. Yeah. Because your body doesn't know what to do with all that excessive energy. Either you don't have enough energy coming into the system with usually a typical diet and exercise, but then also then usually then you swing back the other way is then you, you end end up eating too many calories and not moving enough. And now that is actually pushing, pushing it into an actual stress as well. So another physical stressor, too much or too little activity. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about activity specifically, we're talking about exercise really is a big stressor, right? Mm -hmm. Lack of movement in general is a big stressor. stressor But one thing that often our dieters will experience is if they're over exercising or exercising too much in the wrong way, Mm -hmm. such as too much cardio, not enough strength training, those types of things. And the lengths and the intensities, that's what's huge is because as you'll know, we, we almost everything, we will revert back to hormones when we talk about this. And that has a lot to do with the hormonal responses that happen when you do certain exercise activities, which again, exercise is a stress and it's actually a good thing when it's short term and your body knows how to respond to it properly. But when it's done in excessiveness, um, whether it's too frequent or the intensity is too high or for too long, that's when, again, your body is going to register that as a stress. And then if we couple that with low calorie right. t- or too little right. calorie, then that's just a double whammy. Yeah, right because there. now there, your body is now registering, not only are you pushing the envelope with the activity, so you're putting out a lot of energy, but you're not bringing a lot of energy in so that it registers that as that gap in energy as a stress. So then we have some internal things that are going on um, that are acute and chronic that Mm -hmm. we can be dealing with. So for instance, acutely, we could be dealing with temperature changes. Too hot or too cold can create stress in our body. And then also things like infection causes stress. Mm -hmm. Injury is stress to our body. Those are usually acute, right? Mm -hmm. They don't last for too long term. Injury can turn into a chronic thing. That's true. Mm -hmm. Then we have inflammation. So how Mm -hmm. many of us are dealing with chronic inflammation in our bodies? We can feel it. We sense it in our our joints and in our body and our ability to move and function. Acute illness and chronic diseases. These are all stressors that your body Mm -hmm. is having to navigate internally and, and manage. Then we also have environmental stress. And when we talk about environmental stress, I want to 
want to think about toxins. Mm -hmm. So we are all dealing with what's called a toxic load on our body. And each one of us has a certain level of toxic load. And so where are we getting these toxins? We're breathing them in our homes. We're breathing them outside our homes. We're slathering our body with products that have toxins in them. We're washing our hair with potentially toxic shampoo. We are consuming toxins in our foods, whether it be through pesticides and herbicides and Plastics. Plastics are huge. We actually mm-hmm. consume one credit card worth of plastic every single week. That's crazy. Because our food is wrapped in plastic. Everything, Everything that we is. get from the store is wrapped in plastic mm-hmm. and we are actually consuming that. And so our body's having to deal with this toxic load. And there's a point where our body can deal with it, but there's a, po- a point where it is becomes too stressful because the toxic load is too high. Mm-hmm. All right. So those are some of the physical stressors. Now let's talk about the emotional mental stressors. And I think all of us can relate to this because we have experienced this at some point in our life and some may probably. be probably, probably, and some might be dealing with this like right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So emotional stress, whether it be at work or in our relationships, or maybe you're feeling emotional stress because of lack of purpose or emotional stress over the ever changing news right. and the stress that that can create. We also have changes in connection and support. And so this is where, you know, we can think about most recently through the pandemic, how many of us were disconnected from one one another. Isolation. Isolation, the stress that that caused. We also have the mental emotional stressors of busyness and being overscheduled. I got to tell you, we work with hundreds of students and this is a common toxin that many people deal with no matter no matter the age no matter the age young ones old ones retired ones you know mothers with newborns every single person that that struggles with eating and living healthy when we dive into their life we will often find that busyness and overscheduling and in good things. That's what like, I was going to say is we're gonna they're over- all great things. They yeah. can all be great. Not all are great things, but a lot of them can be great things. But just the volume of it. The again, volume. It's not, There's it's, no white space. Right. It's usually the, again, it we take things to the extremes and our yes. body does not like that. Yes. So now that we've identified some things that stress the body. So physical stressors, mental and emotional stressors as well. Let's talk about stress's impact on our bodies. So how does stress affect our bodies? What you need to understand is that chronic stress, This, and I'm talking about daily stressors mm-hmm. that are chronic, it impacts the body in ways similar to poor diet, lack of sleep, and even a sedentary lifestyle. The research around stress and its implications on our health are staggering. And so we've got to begin to look at what is actually happening in our bodies, because once you understand what's happening in your body, then we need to make a plan for how we're going to combat that. So let's talk about that. How does stress affect our bodies? Well, again, if we, we, we tie it back to how the metabolism responds to stress, which we, we talk about obviously a lot because a lot of our students, you know, they're a lot of our students, their ultimate goal is to lose weight, get healthy. And a lot of that has to do with being able to sustain sustain certain eating habits and certain activities, right? So way we look at it is the metabolism is almost like a survival software where our jobs as in our, our ancestors, what was the most stressful thing for our ancestors? Finding food. Right. 
So we almost in a way have that software running all the time. So when our metabolism senses stress, again, and it can be any of these things, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be anything to do with food, but because our body, our, our software is programmed this way, whenever it starts feeling that pressure, that stress, it's going to revert back to what we call a starvation response. And what does that mean? Well, again, if you're, if you're starving and you don't have food, your body's trying to keep you alive. And when it, what it's going to try to push you to do certain things to force you to stay alive. And what are those things? One is it's going to make you hungry (laughs) because if you're hungry, you're going to be motivated to find food. So that's one of the senses that happens. And one of the biofeedback things that happens in a stress response is it's in a starvation response. It's going to want to drive you to eat. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is it's going to start driving cravings because again, it's going to want you not to, it's going to want you to eat, but it's going to want you to eat things that are very high in energy, very high in calories so that you can get most, the most bang for your buck when you eat something. So it's going to drive up your hunger. It's going to drive up your cravings. And then it's also going to affect your mood and your energy levels because it's going to want you to conserve because it knows that you don't have enough. It's thinking, even though if you have enough, it doesn't think you have enough. Cause again, it's reverting back to the software of a starvation response. So it's going to make you not be motivated to exercise. It's not going to, you're not going to want to get up and walk. You're not going to want to go for that walk because your body's trying to conserve itself. So all that's happening underneath the surface, all because of emotional stress, or other types like we talked about stressors that are happening behind the scenes and you have no idea, you're not putting it together because nobody's ever really explained it to you that way. So I think it would be really helpful for us to give a personal example, like mm-hmm. something that you and I are actually going through right now. So for those of you who don't know us, we are, Chris and I both co-lead the Healthy Free Life Ministry. We both mm-hmm. work full-time in the ministry and we all, we both have, we have children. We have a 12-year-old. We both have children. We both yes. have children. We have, a, we have a 12-year-old and a 17-year-old. Our 17-year-old is in the throes of applying for, I think, seven colleges right now. Mm-hmm. Her applications, as of this recording, are due this week. So that's created a lot of stress in our home as she's been preparing for that. And just the extracurricular activities and just life in general mm-hmm. is very full and very busy. And we're kind of at our max. We don't have a ton of white space, but we were, we've been surviving. We've been doing fine. Right. But we've had an unexpected stressor that's entered our life ever, mm-hmm. over this last month. And so uh, share a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, just from what we know, too, is working with a lot of students that we've had over the years, we've, we've seen a theme <laughs> that um, as you start getting into your middle-aged years, you start getting kind of sandwiched between your kids' responsibilities, but then also possibly taking care of elderly parents. And I'm starting to feel that stress um, just from the last month of a mother who um, really cannot take care of herself and She had a life-changing situation and is now looking to have to relocate homes. And uh, there's a lot of stress involved as far as how the finances are going to work with that and a lot of things. And and she lives out of state and I'm basically the caregiver for her. Uh, She has no other siblings. Parents are all, you know, her parents are deceased and uh, it's, you can definitely feel that stress like putting significant pressure on my system. Um, So your metabolism is responding. So what are some of the symptoms that you are experiencing as a result of this 
extra stress, right. mental, emotional mental stress, stress right. that's come on? What yeah. are you physically feeling? For me, um, you know, I, and again, everybody's going to have different responses. And m- for me right now, just the motivation to exercise. I have always been an exerciser. I just, you know, I've been coming off of a season of working out six days a week and being not missing a day and being super consistent. And now you can just feel that, that like irritation of the system. And maybe because I know what, what's going on now and I'm being aware of it and I'm almost kind of like stepping back and trying to feel it. And, you know, we hear it all about other students that do it and it's like, oh yeah, well that's what's going on. But when you actually feel it, I'm realizing that just my motivation to want to exercise has been significantly hit. You know, now it's to a point where I just, I'm having to use a lot more willpower to get myself to exercise and, and even drop the amount of days that I'm exercising just because also I know even just from a stress standpoint, I have to give myself a little bit more margin and space because if I did work out six days a week and I had this extra stress on top of the normal stresses that I know from experience in my own life that my metabolism could crack and, and significantly. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've definitely, am battling that feeling like, well, and that's hormonal because my, my body's sensing that I don't really, we don't really need any more, even though exercise is a good stress, I really don't want to do it. And, um, so it's definitely that, that, motivation factor that I'm experiencing right now. And, you know, I'm, I actually understand what's going on. So when you think about it with our students that are going through these things, I can off the top of my head can, can think about multiples that are specifically dealing with elderly parents and the stressors that are on top of that. And, you know, they, they don't understand what's going on. I mean, we're obviously educating them, but the average person doesn't know that. So what's they going feel, on with their body? Yeah. So they feel even more defeated and uh, um, like that they can't sustain it. Like, why can't I sustain my exercise? Why am I, um, why am I being lazy? Like, why am I not motivated? Why do I just want to just, I, I can't get up off the couch kind of feeling. And then, you know, most people too, um, just from my experience, you know, we've had, we have such habits instilled in us as far as our food. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not struggling in that side, but a lot of people that don't have those deep rooted habits and, and systems in place for food, that's where a lot of people are going to start. It's going to start cracking. And then they really beat themselves up over the fact that they can't sustain things. Like, why can't I sustain this? Like, I hear I go again and, but they yeah. don't understand that this, this is a physiological thing that's happening underneath the surface that they really can't, they, they're, they're It's a battle they're going to lose. Yeah. And the, the sad part is, is that then we feel defeated, right? right? And so we're defeated in the process and that defeat comes in as like self-loathing even. And yeah. then that creates even more, more. stress, right. right? So we are just piling stress upon stress, stress upon stress. stress and we feel like, especially if we're in seasons of life, how in the world do we get out of this? And so- Lack of motivation, uh, hunger, cravings, Mm -hmm. lack of energy. These are symptoms that can happen as a result of stress, but there's other symptoms as well. So, you know, I think about, you know, like you're saying, like the mood swings. So not just in, Mm -hmm. you know, we can actually be very moody in it. We can have depression and bordering, you know, we kind of anxiety as well. We can feel sad or overwhelmed. I know for me that overwhelmed is a huge red flag for me. I, when I get into a place of overwhelm, that's a 
place where I know that I'm stressed. Headaches, reduced sex drive, digestive issues, joint and muscle pain. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that joint and muscle pain can actually be from stress? And so these are symptoms that and ailments that many of us complain about. So when we you know, have students that come to us and we list, okay, what are you, what are your problems? What are you, you know, mm -hmm. experiencing? Where are you frustrated with your health? These are a lot of symptoms that we see on their assessments. And they have no idea that stress can be the root of so much of it. So these are just symptoms, but at some point chronic, if it's chronic long enough, mm -hmm. we can start dipping into disease. And so stress is a driver of disease. Stress can be a root of many diseases. So at at the, you know, if we have cravings and we have hunger and we're giving into those, what's going to happen? We're going to gain weight. Mm -hmm. Some will lose weight during stress, yeah, there right? There are a percentage of people that don't eat, yeah. right, with stress, but many will go mm -hmm. for food. And then the body is actually responding. A stress response to stress is actually to store fat. It's mm -hmm. actually what's happening there. We also can have gastrointestinal diseases that pop up. So I think of IBS mm -hmm. and I think of other digestive issues. We have um, we have reflux. That's a, a, a big driver uh, from stress. Hormone imbalances and disorders, arthritis, weakened immune system, chronic infections, allergies, asthma, heart disease, diabetes, mental disorders, autoimmune diseases, cancer, did you know that stress has, sh has been proven to allow cancer cells to thrive and survive? And so we've got to do something about this. And right. this is just a, a minor list of the diseases that can, can impact mm -hmm. it. So obviously stress is an issue that we've got to address. And I think we just need to take a little minute here and just talk specifically about two groups of people where stress, we really need to be even more mindful of mm -hmm. what stress uh, is, stress's impact in our bodies for these two, these couple of groups. Okay. okay? First is stress and women, specifically stress and menstruating women, right. stress and women. And then I'm, you know, really let's focus on the menstruating women as well. So let's talk about that. Right. Yeah. Well, again, when we talked about earlier, like the metabolism's job is to keep you alive and also to keep you motivated to actually reproduce so that the species can continue. And women have, you guys are the childbearing gender. So your, your systems are even more hypersensitive to that situation. And when the metabolism senses that the woman's body is under stress and is unhealthy, it's going to stop things like your cycle or it's going to be irregular because it senses that you're not in a good, healthy position to actually give birth. Because if you did, it would be could be detrimental to your body and the baby's body. So once the body gets pushed to that extreme, you can actually lose you know, your menstrual cycle, because again, your body doesn't want to have a baby under that circumstance. And you may not even lose the menstrual cycle. So I think about us yeah. in, um, in our twenties, we attempted to conceive our first child for many years, five years. Mm -hmm. And with, with that, I was menstruating regularly, yeah, you can but still there was, a, there yeah. was infertility issues because of hormone. I had yeah ended up realizing that I had four hormones that were imbalanced, most likely because of the diet and lifestyle yeah, we led still have in our a, 20s. You can still have a, a cycle, but still not have the hormones imbalanced enough to uh, sustain to produce. Yeah. And so now let's talk about uh, the fun stages of perimenopause and mm -hmm. postmenopause and how s stress during those seasons is very important for us to 
uh, address Mm -hmm. and to realize its impact. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, this is where we were just talking about the usually when people are starting to feel that, you know, sandwich of kids stresses and maybe possibly uh, elderly parents stress. That's usually when you're middle aged and women start going through changes hormonally if they don't know that already. And uh, one of the one of the seasons we call is perimenopause. It's before menopause. And this season is what we like to say is it's just an extremely volatile hormonal situation because estrogen and progesterone, which are your two main, you know, female sex hormones, they do a lot of things. But one of the things that most people don't know is they really play a big role in helping you manage stress and making you more resilient to stress. So when you go into this situation where you're in perimenopause, where you may not have a consistent cycle, you're not getting those nice, happy levels of both hormones. And in particular, progesterone will fall during those times because it has to do with ovulation and progesterone comes in after you ovulate. Well, if you don't ovulate consistently every month, then you're not going to get the progesterone. And progesterone is really one of the big drivers of helping you manage stress and manage mood. And those are things that, again, a lot of times even doctors won't talk about. And there's they tell you there's really not much you can do about it because it's just season of life and you just have to deal with it. But there are things, and we'll talk about that in future podcasts about things that you can do. But yeah, so perimenopause, that's a real volatile situation where things are up and down. You know, fun fact, um, I'm in perimenopause. Mm -hmm. That's so much fun, right? One of the things we're thinking about doing is actually sharing my perimenopause journey, like the journey to menopause. Katrina's journey to menopause is really, is really what we're thinking about sharing. It's a vlog. Mm -hmm. We're going to be, we're going to be sharing the journey, but you know, I know that I've been in perimenopause, probably started in my early 40s. Um, so been through it for several years now. Um, and so I'm 47. And it is, it's what I'm finding is that I don't have the same capacity. And I don't right. know what other word to use. And I don't feel like I, I'm under more stress. It just feels like I'm, I'm not I, I'm not as capable of right. handling things and doing things and having my full schedule and all of the things like I was when I was in my thirties. And so it's frustrating, right. you know, and I think that we push ourselves or I want to push myself and think that I am. And so I'm actually hitting walls where I can't, and that's really defeating sometimes. And so, you know, I get into that cycle of defeat of just like, Oh, I just like, what's wrong with me. Right. right. And so I think that what we need to do in this, in this season is to extend ourselves some grace right. and recognize that we are in a season hormonally that things have shifted, things have changed. And so we can absolutely do some things to yes. support the system. And we're going to be talking about that. I mean, that's main, that's like, that's our entire podcast is all, right. like our, the entire healthy for life show is what can we do to support uh, diet lifestyle and other ways to begin to come in to support these seasons of life and um, experience health and freedom. But it is a real reality for many of us. And then menopause. So mm-hmm. you, your period stop, mm-hmm. you hit the menopause, this magical date on the calendar where right. it's been 12 months and you haven't have had no period. And then now you're post-menopause. Right. So that's even a state where now you no longer even have the volatile estrogen, although it can be a little up and down for right. a while. It's much lower than it was even in perimenopause. And then uh, progesterone is kind of non-existent, non-existent. as well. Right. So, Yeah. And again, you're losing your shields. So now, now both are low. So now you're just, and in a way, maybe, you know, perimenopause is more volatile than menopause because things do kind of 
somewhat settle in a way, but not in a good way. But so, yeah. So once you're postmenopause, you know, now you're dealing with things like all kinds of different changes where, again, one of the things that a lot of women that we can, we see things like belly fat, things like that, where now you might not, you might not gain a lot of weight. There are a fair amount of people that do, but you may not gain a lot of weight because partially the, the weight gain can have to do with, you know, estrogen and like thyroid and things play a role. But, um, but even though you might not gain weight, you might start having it redistributed in areas that, um, that weren't there before, like in your belly. So that can be extremely frustrating for women because it's like, I've never, I've never struggled with this. And now all of a sudden I'm struggling with this along with all the other things that go along with. Yeah. It just adds more stress to the, yeah. Cause the now home. you're stressed over that. And then what will usually what happen do do? is then we are like, well, I guess I got to go back on that diet again. And I have to start exercising like crazy because that's what I did when I was 30 and 40 and it kind of worked for a short amount of time. So I'm going to do it again, thinking this is time it's going to work. And then it actually backfires even worse because it's just even more stress. <sighs> Yeah. So we got to break Sorry. the cycle. So that is a, a great point in our conversation. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Right. What do we do about stress? And so that's what we're here to talk about specifically. And here's the thing is that we're not going to be able to magically get rid of our stress. I mean, Jesus no. says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus says, we're going to mm-hmm. have trouble. We're going to have trouble today. We're going to have trouble tomorrow. It, it will be in our life. It's just a given. And so we're going to have the stress. And so what can we do? And so I think you pointed out something really important in your own, own journey that you were talking about earlier is like, we've got to be become aware, yeah. right? The first step in addressing stress is to become aware of it and realize its impact. And I hope that through our conversation today, we've had that ability to say, oh my gosh, like, this is, this is the stress it's causing this in my body and it's not my fault, but I now need to be aware of the stress. What is triggering it? What is, you know, what is it that I'm, I'm dealing with emotionally, Mm -hmm. mentally, and in my season of life to know its impact. And now that, you know, it's just becoming aware. So step one is awareness, Mm -hmm. but then we need to say, okay, there's things that I can change and things that I can't. So for instance, there are easily things we can do potentially. So if you have have identified that busyness and overscheduling is something that you struggled with, then it's taking a really hard look at your schedule and saying, what do I need to do here to begin to unravel this overscheduled busyness yeah, that inventory. I find myself in, right? Mm-hmm. But there's some things that, for instance, we, you know, one other thing we need, we can do is like tra- transform our health and, and have a supportive lifestyle that helps to combat stress. But there's a lot of circumstances that are, that cause stress that are unchangeable. Like we have children, we're not gonna be able to change that, right? Mm-hmm. We, you and I are married, we are going to need to learn how to relate to one another to the best of our abilities. But there's, you know, there's just a stress in our jobs, stress in life, stress in families. And so we got to focus on we, what we can do. And so we can, like Jesus says, take heart. He's overcome the world. We need to learn how to release our burdens to Jesus. We need to change how we react to the stress in our life. Mm-hmm. We need to set up healthy boundaries with ourselves and with others. That's going to help us to mitigate the stress, reduce stress. Sometimes we're going to, te- going to need to seek the counsel of a professional to help us to rewire our response to stress mm-hmm. because we've been perhaps 
uh, taught how to respond to stress like our parents did. And we just have this automatic response to stress and we need to rewire that. We also want to ensure that we're taking steps to bring health to our entire body, mind, and spirit. So eating glorious foods, connecting with God, sleeping well, exercising, moving your body, and hydrating it are all going to come in and reduce the stress load on your body. It's going to reduce stress. And lastly, what we're going to talk about now is to develop a rest-based living lifestyle by adding in practices that relieve and reduce stress and its negative effects. So a mindset around a lifestyle of rest and relaxation is the cure to stress. We must seek to develop a rest-based living lifestyle. So rest, it is the number two habit that we talk about inside the academy. This Mm -hmm. month inside the academy, we are all as students practicing rest in our lives, in our daily life. And so why? What does rest do to our mind, body, and spirit? What does rest do when it comes in and we when we seek to, to rest? And we're going to talk about what exactly rest means. Yeah. But what happens to our bodies when we do that? Yeah, well, all what we've talked about so far is really when we talked about the starvation response, that is we have two sides to our nervous system that is, and maybe people remember this back in high school biology. So the, you have two systems, the fight or flight. That's what we were just talking about. That's called the sympathetic system where our body's under stress and we're trying to set up for either fleeing or fighting. And that's where all those hormonal responses happen. So we're, we have that side, but what we also have is people don't realize we also have another side of our nervous system called the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's called the rest and digest side of your system. So what we always want in our bodies and especially our metabolism is we want balance. So if we are pushing one side of this system for more than the other, it's like a seesaw where, so we're pushing the stress side, we're pushing the, the fight or flight side, but we're not doing anything to mitigate that by focusing on resting and pushing that parasympathetic side. Then that's when we get out of balance. And then that's when disease processes can happen and all the things we're just talking about. So what that's where, why rest is so important is because it's the one of the only things we have to counteract that specifically counteract that side of the stress side of the nervous system. And what's really cool too, is when I think about even a specific hormone cortisol. Mm-hmm. So we didn't talk about that a lot here yeah. in this, um, this one, but str- your stress hormone, you have multiple stress hormones, but one of them is cortisol. Right. And what happens is cortisol is one of the hormones that leads to a lot of the symptoms that we talked about, mm-hmm. the hunger, the cravings, the low energy, things like that. And um, one of the things that rest does is like you said, it kind of engages that um, parasympathetic nervous system. And one of the things that it does with cortisol is, is it lowers cortisol. Mm-hmm. It, it, lo- it actually lowers one of our stress hormones. Mm-hmm. And so science has proven this to be factual. So rest is critical for us to be able to mitigate the damaging effects of stress. And so we need to seek to develop a rest-based living lifestyle. When somebody looks at us, they w- they should say, oh my, they're just 
so restful and so calm, right? And this should be where then life flows from a place of rest. And so what is rest-based living? It's the conscious and intentional pursuit of activities that rest, relax, recharge, and recover the psychic energy or the stress that gets used up in our fast-paced, stressed-out, modern lifestyle in our fallen world. So what kind of activities are we talking about here? We're talking about relaxing strolls through a park. We're talking about a hot bubble bath. We're talking about supportive conversations with some close friends over tea, time with a loved one or with your pet, taking a nap, reading a book, observing the Sabbath, and every other activity that just lowers that stress hormone and allows your body to take a much needed relaxing sigh. Anything that just is like, right? That's what we're talking about. And when we include restful activities in our daily life, what happens is is they refill our tank and they bring relief to our stressed out soul. We can then pour out of ourselves from a place of abundance instead of a place of lack. And when we include rest into our life, we can expect our mood to improve, our sleep to improve. We can expect even decreased inflammation, pain, decreased cravings and hunger. We can actually lose weight in a place of rest. How many diets do you know that are like, hey, I need to go, I need to lose 10 pounds. Oh, you should go take a bubble bath. But guess what? That's what we tell our students all the time. Go take a bubble bath, go rest, go walk. You can actually reverse disease. You can prevent future disease. Your hormones are going to come back into balance. Ultimately, rest leads to a longer, more joyful, more peaceful life. So what does that look like in your day? Well, the ultimate ideal goal, where we're heading, is that we want to enjoy 90 minutes of rest-based activities during our day. And that might be all at one time, or ideally 90 minutes would probably be broken up during our day. Maybe one one, two, three sessions during our day where we're, we're intentionally putting aside time to rest. I'm not talking about like procrastination rest. I'm talking about true intentional. I am intentionally resting right now to stop and be still. And then another side bonus, and we'll have a whole episode on this and possibly even a series is on the Sabbath is resting Mm -hmm. for one day a week. But when I say 90 minutes, Every day we need to rest. For some, if you're like me, you're like, where in the world am I going to find 90 minutes to rest in my day when it is full from sunup to the time I go to bed? And so this is why we've got to take baby steps. We've got to begin to take steps towards rest. And so even just starting with a five minute stillness in your afternoon or taking a leisurely walk during your lunch Mm -hmm. hour or seeking to just rest for 15 minutes to just take a break and read a book or have a cup of tea. These are the types of things that we need to begin to add into our lives. And so I would encourage you to do that. That's exactly what I'm encouraging my students inside the academy where I'm sharing with them all the tools, resources, systems, habit trackers to begin to track the results. We're doing it as a community. We would love to have you inside of the academy to join us in our pursuit of rest. So trust me, we're going to talk a lot about rest in future episodes. So do know that it's going to be a theme and it's so important. That's why it's number two habit of the healthy free life habits. It is so vitally important that we include the habit of rest. So now let me ask you, how are you going to rest today? Now we've talked a lot about how to rest to impact stress, but let us not forget Jesus's command to us. 
in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He is our true place of rest. May you rest in him today. Until next time, bye for now.